Welcome to Conan Kruger. I'm Grant Cohn. That's Larry Kruger. Uh, we're going to be talking about rumors involving Jimmy Garoppolo, the latest team. Rumored to be interested in him. Uh, but first, got to talk about the team that's most closely linked to him, the Cleveland Browns. Everyone sort of understands that if something drastic happens with Deshaun Watson, he's suspended for indefinitely, that the Browns might just trade for Jimmy to be their starter this year, which could be a big-time trade. Uh, this all depends on an independent judge, Sue Robinson, making a decision. And there's been all kind of speculation as to when she would. I thought some people might think might might have said she'd be done by now, but it, this looked like it could go down another week or two. Does the fact that she's taking such a long time mean that mean anything to you? Well, yeah, I do think they're thinking about what's going to be the next step from Watson. How's he going to respond? Uh, Charles Robinson from Yahoo's got a report out that he may sue the NFL if the suspension um, finds him missing out on the entire season. So if he's going to counter sue the NFL and they've got to consider what a counter lawsuit may look like. Yeah, they're probably very circumspect about filing this and making sure that they're on solid ground before they do. Right. Like if this were just a if she were just recommending a five or six game suspension, I don't think the uh, I don't think Watson would debate much. And I don't know if the NFL would be upset with that. I think they might be all sides might be happy with that. But if she says like a year minimum with you know the option to reevaluate next year, I mean, maybe uh, Watson, as you said, would sue and maybe she's sort of making a case for why such a uh, strong response is important i don't know what do you think well i mean I, i've seen every you you and i've read the same things i'm sure that it could be as short as like a month or six weeks that there may be no suspension at all i mean I, i've i've seen that then i've also seen that you know what this suspension could go longer than a year um and it sounds like if it's a if it's a part year suspension that maybe the browns are willing to go with jacoby Brissett and maybe acquire kind of a backup type quarterback to just be there in addition to josh dobbs i believe um you know as their as their kind of emergency guy uh maybe would not have interest in jimmy if indeed it was like a four or six game suspension so you know, it's like, and then of course the you know the there's specul new speculation about other teams like the New York Giants and that kind of thing. So, I mean the 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 Watson thing seems like we don't really have a handle on either when it's coming down, though we expect it soon, or what the penalty will be. Though I think most people are expecting eight plus games, but now we're hearing reports that it could be half that. Yeah, I mean it just. For her to take this long, it, it makes me feel like she's almost anticipating the the appeal. Like she knows it's going to be a lot and that Watson's going to appeal. And she's already sort of making her case for why the appeal shouldn't hold hold grounds. Or uh, she's just creating the perception that she's uncovered every stone and really thought about this. Because it's going to be very controversial one way or another, whatever she decides. The interesting thing as far as how it pertains to the Niners is that the, from what I've read, Grant, the, the uh, Browns have written it into the contract, all kinds of stipulations that will protect them uh, upon a suspension as far as salary cap commitments to Watson. So Jimmy's you know, somewhat large contract may, may not be a big deal if indeed there is a lengthy suspension because they'll get some it sounds like they'll get some relief on the on the uh, Watson contract. Yeah, my only issue, my only question with Jimmy to the Browns is didn't the Browns sign Jacoby Brissett knowing that this could possibly happen with Deshaun Watson? Like, wasn't he the backup plan? And 
do they really feel that Jimmy Garoppolo is like $24 million better than Jim, than Jacoby Brissett? Is that worth it for them? Yeah. I mean, I, I my guess on that would be no, but yeah. if they felt like were they going to, are they really, are they willing to go the full year with Jacoby Brissett in a year where they've spent a lot of, well, you know, they have a lot of cap room, but they have a, a very impressive roster. So they've got a, a Super Bowl caliber roster with that, are they prepared to go with Brissett at quarterback the whole year? Or was Brissett the guy that they got because they got whispers about a month or a six long, six week long suspension and he's kind of just viewed as a stopgap guy? See, I think if it's six weeks, they're fine with Brissett. But if it's if it's the full year, I bet you they're not fine with Brissett. And I think that they would want Jimmy. Now they may want Jimmy at still at a quite a bit lesser price than what his current contract states, and that could come complicate things too okay so it seems like the only team really willing and able to trade for jimmy garoppolo as a starter right now is cleveland they have a right. a spot available and they have the cap space to do it if watson doesn't get suspended the whole year cleveland falls out of the market other teams could be looking to maybe sign jimmy garoppolo or trade for him uh by sending some players back some money back one team that's rumored to be interested in jimmy garoppolo is the new york giants uh according to a to a Twitter account that may or may not be reputable. I don't know. It sounds interesting. The Giants. He said they said that uh, he could be a mentor to Daniel Jones, the way he mentored Trey Lance so well last year. What on a believability scale of one to ten, what do you think of this one? Well, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'll just say that right out of the shoot. Why? Not because the Giants were a four-win football team. Brian Dable goes there. He's the new head coach, the former offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. They have Mike Kafka, the former Northwestern quarterback, who I believe was, wasn't he with uh, Mahomes and those guys? I forget who Kafka was with, but Kafka's thought to be a pretty good quarterback coach. But they have Daniel Jones, and he was a first-round pick. They also already have brought in Tyrod Taylor. Now, it, I guess it could make sense if Tyrod Taylor was included in the trade. That's what I was going to say. Nice. Why not that? I, I, I think for the 49ers, that would be a really good trade. Tyrod Taylor and a fifth-round pick for, for Jimmy G or Tyrod Taylor and a day-three pick of something like that, or maybe Tyrod Taylor and a conditional pick based on how many starts Jimmy makes. I think in a lot of ways, Tyrod Taylor made the most sense when you think of the Anthony Lynn factor. And then you think of Kyle's statement from way back when saying that he wanted his backup to be a similar skill set to his starter. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, Tyrod Taylor is, is maybe the perfect uh, player to come back for Jimmy G and that, we may be all looking around going, hmm, what about this? What about that? Maybe the thing that makes the most sense is is Jimmy G and Tyrod Taylor or for Tyrod Taylor. And then if you're Brian Dable, you're taking over the New York Giants. You're taking over a really bad quarterback and Daniel Jones who turns it over. He's like a serial turnover guy. I mean, he's just he I've never seen anybody turn it over more liberally than that guy has. So if he doesn't feel like he can get to to uh, Jones, maybe Garoppolo is a and it is New York City. It is an iconic franchise. They would like to turn it around like <laughs> now. Um, and Jimmy maybe is the ticket to doing that. Yeah, when the offseason started, before free agency, before Jimmy Garoppolo had his surgery, didn't most of us think the Niners were going to get rid of Jimmy ASAP and sign Tyrod Taylor? Heard a lot yeah. of people suggest that. I think even in the league, people were expecting Kyle Shanahan to like really embrace this style of quarterback and go all in. 
but he didn't. But he still could. It seems like maybe that that was the Niners' target, but the timeline got shifted with Jimmy Garoppolo. Anthony Lynn is the clear connection to Tyrod Taylor. It seems like a. I mean, if the Niners had cut Jimmy Garoppolo and signed Tyrod Taylor, people would be like, that's, that's, a, "That's great. You got a good backup for cheaper." They could sort of they could essentially do that and pick up a late pick as well. That'd be a good move. I think yeah. they should do that. In some ways, Grant, this is the truth. We've looked at so many options, right? We've been talking about this for so many months. But if you really look at all the different options that were thrown out there, in some ways, this is the perfect option. And this is more of the fair trade. We'll give you this quarterback that that needs to start because we're going with Trey Lance. You give us a quarterback that we can plug in uh, behind Trey Lance and a day three pick that maybe could be a high day three pick or maybe a day three pick that could be a day two pick. Who knows? But some kind of conditional draft choice in there. The one thing I don't know is what is Tyrod Taylor's contract and what yeah, kind right. of... That's the thing. Tyrod Taylor isn't particularly cheap. And they don't yeah. have much. The Niners only have four million of cap room. Now they would get the a lot Giants more. Have six. The Giants have six million, so they have to figure this out. But Tyrod Taylor, right now, his uh, cap number for this year is two point seven million. Okay, two point nothing. It's not much. Next year, it's six point nine. So they could, the, from the Niner perspective, coming back. Even, you know, if they let's just say they had all of Jimmy's money earmarked for extensions, yeah. they could add Tyrod Taylor to their current cap and probably make it work. Now, I don't know how the Giants would make it work. They might have to restructure some things to, to fit that this season, but if they might have to trade Saquon Barkley or or move some, you know, some combination thereof of other yeah. players. Renegotiate. I'm not in favor of the Niners uh, picking up too much of Jimmy's salary because I still think. If they can get that salary off the books, there are some moves they can make to really put themselves over the top this year, and we're going to get there. But first, I want to talk about former 49er safety Jaquaski Tart. I don't know why. He was tweeting at a lot of fans this weekend, even though he's on the Eagles now. And it just strikes me that, you know, I, that moment in the NFC Championship game kind of defines his career until he does something on a bigger stage, missing that interception. A lot of things went wrong in that. And in that fourth quarter, do you think he's the main reason the Niners missed the Super Bowl last year? No, I'm not, I don't. I don't. Though I did find your tweet last week about uh, his career picks and Hafanga's yeah. USC picks. Very interesting. Right. They they basically got rid of a guy who never intercepts the football for a guy who actually has got a pretty good nose for the football um, in, in Hafanga. But no, I mean, it's totally unfair to blame Tart for that pick. Now, should he have made it? Yes. Does he have terrible hands? Yes. Is he a, is he a nightmare as far as, you know, catching the football? Yes. But Let's be fair, and I'm all about being fair. If he had caught that ball, 49ers would have taken over on their own 35-yard line, not the Rams' 35-yard line, their own 35-yard line. Now, would they have would they have been able to move the ball better than they did on their final two drives? Possibly because the score impacted the Rams' defensive game plan to some degree, and that and the Rams had a lead at that point against the Niners on those final two drives, right? Or was one of them tied? Were they tied on one of them? 
I forget. I forget. But either way, the Niners yeah. did not make a first yeah. down on it's either true. drive. No yeah. first down. So I don't know how you can say, well, if the Niners got the ball at the 35-yard line, it's game over, when they actually had two full drives after that and didn't get a first down. So, yes, it would have helped, but I don't think – and maybe the momentum of the moment would have – you know, who knows what the play calling would have been. Who knows how the 49ers would have viewed it. Possibly it could have – but when you look at those two other series and the fact they got no first downs, how do you point the finger at Tart? Fair. What I what I will say though is I wasn't at the game. Um, I had COVID. I that's the one game I missed. And just watching at home, it looked like had he relaxed and settled and caught the ball, he might have been able to get some yards. It looked like a punt. I know there were there was a couple wide receivers by him, but he's bigger than those guys. I thought there was an opportunity to make that a huge game shifting, momentum shifting play. Um, and although Kyle Kyle choked, uh, Jimmy choked, the offensive line couldn't block anyone. Of all the you know sins in that fourth quarter, I feel like Tarts was the most egregious. I mean, it just hit him in the chest. There was no one really touching him. It was just him in his own head. So what I think was interesting, though, although it clearly it's not just his fault, I think the Niners really put it on him. I, I couldn't help but notice that he'd been on the team since 2015 and they never gave him an exit interview with the press. Like, hey, goodbye. This isn't my last time talking to you. He talked after the game, but he didn't do it. They didn't even bring him out for a Zoom thing. And then they gave away his number so damn fast this offseason. Like, first thing, to Ray Ray McLeod, which I thought was cold, cold-blooded. So, I don't know. I think the Niners might be a little bit more sore at Tart than you and I. Yeah. Well, I mean, fair enough. But um, I will say this. He was stand up about it. He didn't what? he didn't dodge. He, he didn't he didn't pull LeBron James and like, I'm not going to talk and I'm not, I'm going to I'm just going to go out the back door and you're not going to get any answers from me. He addressed it. He owned it. Um, you know, it's a, it was a physical mistake. I'll say to anybody who's ever, who's ever wants to question that go run full speed, either forward or backward. And I'll throw you just the duck of duck passes and we'll see if you catch it. Because in reality, when your head's bobbing and you're, you're running, whether it's forward or backward, your head's moving, even the most basic of catches sometimes can get dropped. So if you, it's one thing if you're standing there waiting for it, but he wasn't. He was still moving his legs and his head was moving up and down. Uh, it still doesn't hide the fact that he's a horrendous, uh, you know, he's got horrendous hands and he's demonstrated that completely throughout his career. But I, I'm a Jaquaski guy. I like Jaquaski as a guy. I think he's, I think he's a better player than he was when he came into the league. And I think he, I think they'll miss him because they're really, really thin at strong safety. I just feel like they they feel so strongly, I and mean, they could be wrong, that Hafunga would have caught that, and that you know I Tartal think he would have too. Couple, I think he gave up a touchdown or two in that game in the red zone. I think they feel like you know in retrospect we should have just went with Hafunga. They, I I don't think they feel like if we had just gone with Trey Lance in the fourth quarter he would have won that game. I mean who knows? But with I, that's the one where I think they feel like I can't even look at you anymore. We we held on to you one game too long or or something. But maybe they're wrong. 
I want to talk well, about don't don't go. Here's the thing. The, the lesson, I think, is they've turned the page on the big physical, you yeah. know, strong safety slash weak side linebacker going forward. That guy is going to be um, a free safety who's got coverage ability, um, who maybe, you know, doesn't have the greatest coverage ability, but he's a converted free safety. The idea of strong safety slash weak side backer in this league with all the sub packages. I think we may see the end of that. All right. So ESPN is doing a poll of players, executives, coaches to get like the top 10 players at each position and Kittle's top 10, uh, Debo's top 10, Jimmy Ward, not top 10. What do you think? Snubbed? Um, well, there's a lot of good players at this yeah. position. I'd have to go look and see exactly where he ranks, but Jimmy Ward does it all. I mean, yeah. so I'd like to know who's now he hasn't gotten the headlines. A lot of times you got to get headlines early. You got to, it's almost like a Heisman trophy deal. It's got to be kind of a gradual campaign as far as, but Jimmy Ward, if you ask the Niner coaches, he covers like a corner, they would feel yeah. comfortable lining him up outside and he hits like a linebacker. If they had to have a DB play linebacker, it would be him. So if you, if you can hit like a backer and cover like a corner, um, you know, and you get good yeah. instincts. I, you know, to me, Jimmy Ward is a very, he's one of the NFL's underrated players. Yeah. I think he deserves to be a top 10 safety in the league. I think you could argue that he's the best coverage safety in the league. Man to man. Man, they're racing outside. Gardner. Gardner's doing <laughs> his thing. That's a high power guard. All right. So you could argue he's the best man to man coverage guy. I, when it comes to covering a tight end, like, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or uh, Darren Waller. You could argue no one you want more than Jimmy Ward. And then when it comes to tackling, like, I don't know if he hits like a linebacker, but he's just such a freaking good tackler. He never misses the tackle. He's always in the right position. Um, form is impeccable. Yeah, he doesn't intercept a ton of passes, but no safety does at all. I would say he's got to be top 10. Got to be. He's just, I mean, the coaches love him and yeah. coaches don't love players for no, no reasons. They love him because he can be trusted. He's also gets other guys lined up correctly. He's like a coach on the field. Um, but I mean, I, I really think that he's, I mean, you're not going to find too many guys who will recklessly throw their reckless abandon, throw their body around and will come up firing up. I mean, this guy will come up like, it's like, it's the, you know, third and long, third and third down play in the Super Bowl on every play. I mean, he he plays with a level of urgency that's incredible to watch. It's contagious. And then he's got coverage ability in a league where coverage ability is at a premium. So I, I remember going, talking to a buddy of mine, a, a scout with the Panthers, who was on the sideline the year that he came out in the Senior Bowl. And he said of all the DBs, corners or safeties in Mobile that year, he felt like Jimmy Ward showed that he was the best DB on the field. So obviously the Niners and, and uh, Balky felt that way. I think what you could say about Ward is that he's one of only maybe two DBs in the league who could legitimately play every single position in the defensive backfield at a high level. Uh, him and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I think Ramsey could play safety and he could play in the slot. I think Ward could play in the slot and play outside in a cornerback if you needed him to. And he can play both safety spots. I mean, how many other DBs could do all of those five things? 
Oh, and and if you watch him down after down after down, you know, you, you when you coach him up, you you tell the the players, hey, go walk to the line of scrimmage, thinking down and distance, especially in key third down situations. What's the down? What's the distance? You can tell Jimmy Ward is is incredibly competitive. He's got that down and distance. You can tell by the angles he takes. He knows exactly on every play what he needs to protect. What you know, where the grass that needs to be protected is you know what i mean he understands down and distance and situational football and though that's invaluable also for a db who's pushing 30 if not already 30 he looks like he's always looked he looks like he's 25 years old at least today he does he was he, of all the people that i saw on the field during the mini camp i felt like he was the guy that if if there had been a game on sunday he would have been ready to roll and I, I am I would say only about 10% of the players would even be in that category. He looked like you know midseason form at minicamp. Okay, let's stick with the safety position. Last safety topic. So the Niners have Jimmy Ward, who's underrated top, I would call him a top 10 safety, and they have Talano Hafunga, who is unproven. Former sec, fifth round pick, second year player, started three games. Jesse Bates, all pro safety for Cincinnati, is available. They tagged him. He hasn't signed his tag. Uh, they can't extend them long term. That window is closed. Um, do you think the 49ers should trade for Jesse Bates? Now, they would probably have to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo first. But if they do, I mean, they have some cap space. What do you think? Well, I'm a Jesse Bates fan. I loved him at Wake. And, I, you know, he's a tremendous player. He's very smart. Now he's a free safety you know, do you want to play Jesse at strong safety in the box and and have two coverage, you know, safeties? I mean, the, the Niners like splitting their safeties. What's the price tag going to be? I mean, I think it's got to be pretty significant. Um, this guy's only 25 years old. He's got good size. He's a productive football player. Um, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't had tons of injuries. So, I mean, he would be interesting. The other guy that's out there, if you're looking for more of just strong safety depth is, uh, is, uh, Landon Collins, who, you know, isn't much now. And this is, you know, kind of a yesteryear type safety who's not, you know, he's truly a box safety and has coverage liability issues. Um, but if you're just looking for another strong safety, you know, hammer in the box, Landon Collins would fit the bill. Otherwise, what do you think the price tag for Bates would be? See, I, I don't care. I, whatever he would need in an extension, I think the Niners should pay it because, uh, He's phenomenal. He'd be the best DB in their in their backfield. Now, in terms of picks, they don't really have first round picks, so I don't know what they would give. They'd have to give up some second round picks and the player maybe, but it doesn't seem like there's a bunch of teams trying to trade for Jesse Bates right now. So I don't know what it would take. But if how about how about Tarvarius Moore in a third? Do it. You know, Dude. I mean, I think Tarvarius Moore is one of those guys that could be very intriguing to a team like um, like the Bengals. Why? Because, you know, they don't they've got money spent on the offensive side and they don't want to throw that money towards Bates. And Tarvarius Moore is big, strong, fast. Uh, lots of scouts like him. Um, you know, you could definitely make the argument he's a he's a better athlete than Bates uh, and he's bigger and maybe faster. But, you know, you know, and I know that he takes horrendous angles and is probably more of a jumbo corner. But who knows? Maybe beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Maybe they see six two, you know, one ninety five with four three speed and say, you know what? We'll take him in a mid round pick for Bates. I, figure it out, John, because it seems like this. I mean. Jimmy Ward is 30. He's going to be a free agent next year. You, you, you're going year to year with him. Hafunga is unknown. You're not really invested in him. 
you have Traverius Ward, who's really good, but you don't have an all pro in your in your secondary. And this guy's available. You haven't shown the ability. You don't even want to draft DBs that high. This guy's available. I think they should go after him. Um, I do too, because not? look at their who's their third corner. I mean, who's their third safety? Excuse me. Who's the who's the if Afonga or Ward Odom. went down? Odom. Odom's a Odom's a special team guy. Yeah. Who else do they got? Tarvarius Moore, I just described. I don't think yeah. he can play dead. Taylor Hawkins was a, a a corner at San Diego State. That's a big transition. Leon O'Neill, I really do like as an undrafted free agent, but there's some coverage liability there. I mean, in a cover in a league where you have to cover on the backside. Jesse Bates has a real value. So, yeah, I mean, if they could make that happen in some ways, I look at this roster and I think, well, if you got rid of Jimmy, what are your weaknesses? Well, maybe center, maybe guard, uh, maybe backup quarterback if you don't have Jimmy and maybe an interior run stuffer behind Kinlaw and then like another strong safety. So, you know, or, you know, another safety that can play either spot would even be better. But, I mean, if the Niners before the season were to flip Jimmy Garoppolo for Tyrod Taylor and then use the cap space that they saved to go get Jesse Bates, I mean, wouldn't you be looking at this team in a whole different light? I totally. mean, they also yes. signed J.C. Treader to a one-year deal. I mean, all of a sudden, that's a, le- that's a legit Super Bowl contender, if not a favorite. Treader, I'm not as big of a fan of because he's got broken a little bit of a broken down body from what I'm hearing. But but the other moves that you outlined, I think, are the perfect moves. You trade Jimmy, you get Tyrod Taylor, you clear some cap, you turn around and trade for a guy like Bates. Now you're a little deeper. To me, I would feel better. I love Hafanga and I think his potential's there. But if you told me that the 49ers in year two were just asking Hafanga to be a stalwart on special teams and their third safety. I think a championship club has a Fonga in that role, not necessarily the starter at free. And then if he shows that he's really, really good, he could become a starter sure. next to Jesse Bates next year or the year after that. If they keep Jimmy Ward a little bit longer, I think that's why would you not do that? I mean, these are the kind of moves I think the Niners should be fantasizing about once they move Jimmy Garoppolo, which should be any minute now. Well, I mean, if you're thinking about Jimmy Garoppolo, once you move him, what are you going to try to do? You're going to try to use some of those assets that you're getting back, whether it be cash or picks, to try to make yourself better this year. Well, how do you make yourself better this year? Maybe getting an interior offensive lineman off the off the street. Maybe trading for a Jesse Bates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a couple other free agents that are out there as well. But I mean, you, there's no question that that uh, you know strong safety I think is probably the thinnest spot on the D. And before we move on, what you said earlier about the safety position, like the, the the era of getting that big, strong safety, weak side linebacker hybrid, that's over. Yeah. And to me, Jesse Bates is the kind of guy, yeah, he's a free safety. You could put Jimmy Ward at strong safety at this point in his career. I think you absolutely could. Good yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think Jimmy Ward probably finishes as strong. You know, Bates makes a lot of sense for that exact reason that maybe this year, Jim, Bates, you know, if Bates came in, maybe Jimmy switches right away. Yeah. The beautiful part about, about war, Jimmy Ward is yeah. he's got the ability to play in the box. He's that physical, but he also has the coverage ability to play in the deep middle and a cover in a cover three look uh, where he's got to cover a ton of ground. So he, you know, but if you got Jesse Bates, now Bates rent, you know, plays that deep middle and Ward's up on the line. And I think that's probably their best foot forward, really. When he, Ward was younger, he had the body of a cornerback. And I think that's why, I mean, he had the game of a strong safety, but the body of a corner, I think that's why he got hurt and why coaches were a little confused as to where to play him. But now at 30 years old, he looks thick, built, 
think he could handle it. I think he could play, especially in today's NFL. I mean, it's a passing league. It's a it's a too high safety league most of the time. I mean, you're not really playing linebacker. I think you could do it. Well, anyway. You can't even do it anymore. If you yeah. detonate on a guy, it's a it's a 15 yard penalty. So sure. it's more about do you break down in space against athletes consistently? And, yeah. and War, Jimmy Ward does. Who does it better than Ward? Like who actually form tackles better than Ward? Probably. You've never really seen Ward lighten anyone up, but you also don't really see him miss tackles. Well, didn't he, light, didn't he light up the guy in the uh, in the Rams game? And didn't he get yeah, penalized? He Sorry, I take it back. I take it back. Codename Chris says Jimmy G is borderline trash. Kyle's overrated and chokes in big games. And John Lynch is just there. Ouch. Keep up the good work. I agree with most takes. Codename Chris. What do you think his real name is? (laughs) Yeah. (gasps) Appreciate it, man. Thank you. That was succinct yet brutal. Okay. Brandon Ayuk, what do you expect from the third-year wide receiver? Excellent rookie year. Bit of a disappointing second year, although he finished very strong. I expect him to emerge this year as one of the better, um, as the Niners' number one receiver. I really do. And I know they have Debo, and I know they get a bunch of guys. Um, But, you know, you'd have to be, you know – You'd have to be crazy at this point not to have seen all the footage of Lance and Ayuk. They're clearly buddies. They're clearly working out together. They're probably on the same page. He's more of the downfield threat. Lance is more of the downfield thrower. So I I think Ayuk bust out this year. I think this is the year that Ayuk, you know, week after week after week, he's the guy fantasy-wise that you want on your team this year, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, and it's it's like he is – he should be a better – wide receiver than Debo because he's got longer arms. He drops fewer passes. He's a better route runner. He uh, probably is a better target in the red zone. Just a more beyond the line of scrimmage. He should be better than Debo behind the line of scrimmage. Debo's the best, but I don't know. The thing with Ayuk is he, he still seemed faster as rookie year. I don't know what happened, but I feel like he put on a little too much muscle. I could be wrong. It just looks that way. And it looks like he lost a little speed and explosion. And you were there in minicamp. He wasn't bad, but Debo wasn't out there. Kittle wasn't out there. I just felt like whenever Lance targeted Ayuk, good things didn't necessarily happen. There was a drop. It didn't. Ha- it seemed like Jennings was the guy asserting himself. It's really and plus we didn't. We only saw one one uh, practice a week. Maybe Ayuk was tearing it up the other practices. I just was a little underwhelmed. I'd like to see him tear it up in training camp. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I I I trace this uh, lack of explosiveness back to ASU. I mean, I saw him as a sophomore, and I thought, "Wow, this guy's a home run hitter." Then at the by the end of his career, he was still making plays, but he wasn't quite the home run hitter. So I, to me, getting having him show up lean and and fast, um, and then you know, it's also one of these things where if it's like if you if I make you run the deep deep route, but there's no payoff, eventually you stop running it at full speed and i think that's what we're seeing i think this guy um you know was he was running off the coverage because they had no danny gray they had no ray ray mcleod and so and he knew jimmy couldn't get it there so i think he started you know leaving some of that effort you know in the huddle and i I just think that he'll run those routes with a little bit more a little bit more um you know belief that he's that the ball's coming his way, and I think he. But I want to see a little bit more speed too. I want to see it both before the catch, and but I really want to see it after the catch because this guy was a rack monster at ASU. I think it's more. I mean, it's not just that he lost heart running the deep balls. I think he realized, man, 
on this team with this quarterback, I got to be a lot bigger. I got to have a body like Debo. I'm going to be running jet sweeps. I'm going to be playing running back. I'm going to be going across the middle when really his game, he should be a sleek outside the numbers, Amari Cooper type. Like you're not running over the middle, but with Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to. So I think he almost changed his body to suit Jimmy. And now really, dude, you should just go back to what your body was like when you were way younger, because now you're playing with a whole different type of quarterback. I, maybe I'm wrong with that, but it just looks that way. Like he's trying yeah. to compensate for the, to be a yak bro. Well, yeah, I mean, also, you know, you do you do want to be able to absorb some of those hits, but, you know, his, his you know, I, I really think that, uh, I, you know, down the field, this guy's the, you know, he's much more of a downfield threat than Debo. So if you, you mix in Trey, who's going to, who's going to extend plays and throw that ball down the field, I think a lot of those balls are going to Ayuk. Um, but I mean, it's also got to be about his level of professionalism and how seriously he attacks his job. I mean, is he a pro? Does he show up with a briefcase every day? Does he does he run every route like it's coming his way or does he do little things like not buckle his chin strap or not get off the line of scrimmage or not sell that the ball could be coming his way? I mean, these guys are, you know, defenses are looking for any indication at all of what's coming next. And if you're giving away the play. Uh, as a wide receiver on the backside, that's you know that 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 can hurt a football team. Same oh. way you want to do a sell a fake if you're a quarterback, you got to sell the play as a receiver. So, yeah. also, I mean, this team doesn't throw that much, and they have Debo, Kittle, uh, Jawan Jennings. If Ayuk isn't, if you know, if he's dropping the ball, they're going to go away from him pretty fast, and he's yeah. going to be competing for targets with Jawan Jennings, who did do a very good job in OTAs just this past month. So, Ayuk, the pressure's on. Because you're not going to get it's not going to get targets by default the way he did when he was a rookie. Final question on I do you think he could hurdle a defender like he did his rookie year? Do you think he could still do that? <laughs> um, now they probably catch that back foot, you know, he, he I, probably could get almost over, but not quite. Yeah, body type. All right, why do you think in general Kyle Shanahan's teams are so often injured, injured at least his Niner teams? Well, before anybody wants to debate this on us and say, well, you know, what's your your premise is wrong. I don't even agree with your premise. Well, you know, you're wrong. Here's here's the here are the information. This is how the injuries have broken down in the Kyle Shanahan era. 2017, 10th most injured team in the league. 2018, fourth most injured team in the league. 2019, sixth most injured team in the league. 2020, most injured team in the league by a country mile. 2021 third most injured team in the league. So, and if you look at the Rams in that same stretch, 2017, they were the least injured, at least injured, 2018, fourth least injured, 2019, 10th least injured, 2020, second least injured, and last year, fifth least injured. So the Rams are not getting injured and the 49ers are getting injured. That's a fact. I didn't realize the Niners were the third most injured team in the league last year. Third wow. most. And that was coming off a historic year where they were like hell bent to this ain't never going down like this again right. and still third most injured team. So I think it has a little bit to do with practice habits. Um, it also has a little bit to do with the fact that, um, you know, the 49ers go at it in the preseason and the Rams sit it out. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think with the extra game and when you're a consistent playoff team and you're going to extend your season and play 20 games, let's say on your schedule, um, like the Niners typically do, I would say that it's really important that you take preseason off 
and show up on week one and give away the rust factor. Who cares? Who cares if you're rusty in week one or week two? It's more important that you have your full full cast of of characters on the field. That's true. But, I mean, I think you got to look at – this goes back beyond Kyle Shanahan with the Niners. I mean, this was going back to about 2013, 2014. And there are some people still with the organization that were on the team back then. So I think when it's like an eight-year trend, a nine-year trend, it's got to be everything. And one of the factors is – Parag and his scouts that have been there forever really see value in investing in injured players. They think you can, and to a degree, it's smart. I mean, you can get value like the, not like the Warriors got Kavon Looney late in the draft because he was injured, but the, the Niners do this all the time. And to the point where they trade a guy like Buckner, who's never injured for a guy who like Javon Kinlaw, who had a medical red flag at the combine. And they're like, that's okay. It's no big deal. We'll work it out when they know they have no track record of working that kind of a thing out in Santa Clara. So I think they kind of, I mean, invest in players like this. That's part of the problem. I think it's, well, I think that, that, that uh, philosophy has been totally changed. Now they're investing in guys who play college football games, which I think is the smart move. It doesn't, it doesn't assure you of being healthy, but if, you know, healthy players stay healthy, hurt players continue to get hurt. That's a belief. That's not a a fact by any stretch. I think Trent Baalke looked at it as value. He looked at value. Oh my God, the guy tore his ACL and this, this and that we'll get him out three rounds later. It's the, it's it's when you start t- you're, when you're so in your draft minutia mm-hmm. that the player that you don't want in the third round you're desperate for in the fifth round. You know it's that it's you're so in, involved in your in how you've got these guys in, you know ranked and rated that oh my god yeah he's a third round pick but man we get him in the fifth because of the ACL now we're getting value. Scouts are oftentimes looking for you know empirical data that proves that the that they're getting good value. And, you know, a lot of that empirical data is involved with guys who are getting hurt. And so there's, you know, now they're going the other way, Grant. Now they're trying to get guys who play. They better because to me, I almost feel like they don't. They haven't valued durability because what they can do is get a bunch of players who are good when healthy. But then if they get hurt, the Niners can always use injuries as an excuse. Well, our guys were hurt. Well, you invested in injury prone guys. You can't blame us for going six and ten this year. Our guys were hurt. Guys are hurt every year. That's a lame excuse. It almost feels like if we win, we get credit. If we lose, we're cool. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It's also one other factor is that every team profiles players differently and wants different things. I think the 49ers with the, you know, with the outside zone run, they want offensive linemen that can move. So they prioritize movement and, you know, speed at linebacker. Look how small their linebackers are. They're 215 pounds. The guys that they added this year, 220. Those are, that's relatively small. So if you go for smaller, faster guys trying, to put the most speed on the field. I think smaller, faster guys are more apt to get hurt. That's true. And you always hear people say about the Niners, too, that the Niners are one of the more physical teams on the schedule. So you got a combination of small, fast guys being coached to, you know, um, on offense, don't run out of bounds, get the last hit in, be a yak threat. Basically, play bigger than you are. And I think you see what happens. I mean, the Niners go through running backs, you know, by the bushel. They do. They do. They really do. 
they go through and and they um, they there's a culture where they're flying around. I will say this: when the Niners and Chiefs went to the bowl, they had a breakdown of the fastest teams in the NFL, and the Niners and the Chiefs were the two fastest teams in the NFL. So I, I just think when you when you sell out for speed, something's got to give, and in this case, it's probably durability. And the Niners don't just want speed. They want speed and physicality. They want positionless football. Guys who can play running back and wide receiver. I mean, that's guys who get hurt. Yeah. Anyway, Delicioso says, I was going to type more, but my arm got fatigue. I know it's, <laughs> it's, it's an affliction these days. It's really going around. All right, we got 10 minutes left. Larry, why are the 49ers 501 score games? Well, you know, this and this is not I looked this up. Okay, so this is 49ers over the last three years. 49ers have played in 26 one score games. They're 13 and 13. Last year, the 49ers played in 10 one score games. They went five and five. Um, I think it's because they they get pass happy and they don't run the ball enough. I think Kyle Shanahan loves to throw the ball. Now his his offense is predicated on on establishing the run. But once that I, I would love to see the breakdown of when the Niners run the ball, because I would say it's a lot in the first quarter and they're trying to run it at the end of games to put the game out. Of, out. I'd like to see what their run told run pass breakdown looks like in the second and third quarters, the meat and potatoes of the game. And I would say it's probably heavily leans towards the pass or more heavily than the beginning and the end of games. So I just think that more times than not, um, if it gets into a close game, Kyle will look to pass. And I think if they ran the ball a little bit more, I think they would win more of those one score games. Yeah. And I, th I think it's partially his scheme. His scheme is built to establish the run, establish a play action pass, get a lead and lean on you, uh, run the ball, win time of possession. Once the game is close in the second half, He'll abandon all of that, all of his principles, and just go to a drop back passing game. And that I think when it, you get to that part of Kyle's scheme and playbook, it's ordinary. It's not even particularly above average. Uh, but then there's also the quarterback. When you're in one score games, it's a lot of time the team that wins is the team with the better quarterback who makes a play. I mean, I've watched a lot of Russell Wilson. That seems to me how they won a lot of games. Yeah. And we see Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he might get you in position to kick a field goal late, maybe, but he's not really going to make a play. Yeah, he, he, or just he might in any particular one game scenario, but yeah. if you chart it over the over the course of 10, 20 games, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean you're yeah. talking about you're talking about oh wow they won oh mistake yeah. late pick right over the middle so yeah I I think it I think you're centering on the right thing I think the quarterback and also um you know maybe in some of these one score games uh, teams are not as worried about the running game and they're selling out to go get the quarterback so they're you know. Maybe the play action, uh, you know, the, you know his play action fusion game, which Greg Cosell swears by. Maybe it's less effective in tight games late. I would agree. I would think so, and that's probably just more effective early in the game. Um, but I think Trey Lance, if if it didn't really, if Jimmy is the problem, and maybe Kyle scheme to it to a to a degree, maybe Trey Lance can transcend those things and make the Niners good in one score games. Because if he's elite, then they should be okay. We'll see. I don't know. If I mean, it's it's definitely something to watch for this year. All right, they gotta, if they get to win those games, let's be honest. If they want to be where they they want to go, where they want to they want to get where they where they claim they want to go, and winning another championship, you gotta start. You gotta they gotta be better than five hundred in one score games because that's what it's gonna be in the playoffs. They lost in the NFC Championship game in a one score game, and then the 
they when they played the Bengals, they won that game. It was a very big game for the Niners. They would have lost if Jesse Bates had just not pulled the Jaquaski target. Liked <laughs> <laughs> it off his chest. And that's the guy I'm saying to get. But yeah, I mean, Jimmy sort of does that. Let's see if Trey Lance could be better. All right. Of all the second year quarterbacks, which one do you think will make the biggest steps forward this season? Trey Lance is in this group, of course. Well, it's interesting. I think this is where the this is where, you know, the first year everybody kind of looks, you know, they look all right, you know, because they're they look the first year and you don't the standards are much lower and it's not really about them as much as it is the franchise. And so nobody's judged too harshly, even if they do badly, nobody's too judged too favorably if they do good. So like, you know, Mac Jones was terrific, but a lot of that was the Patriots and Trevor Lawrence was horrible. A lot of that was the Jaguars. I would say year two, you start to see the teams move forward or or regress based on the quarterback. And I think there's three that are going to make a big step forward. I think Mac Jones is going to continue to get better. I think he's got better surrounding talent around him coming into this year than he had last year. I think he's going to continue to get better. I think Trey Lance is going to get a lot better because of the surrounding cast and what, how hard he works at it. And then the other guy that I think is going to be phenomenal and he's going to in I'm really bullish on this team uh, largely because of this player in the draft they had is Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson had two years last year. He had the first year where he looked really bad and he looked, you know, and they had, and he had, it was like him against the world. He had no help. Then he got hurt. He came back. He looked terrific down the stretch. And I think he, this year with better perimeter players on both sides of the football, they had Garrett Wilson on the offense, true number Reece one Hall. receiver. Uh, what's that? Reese Hall running back. Reese yeah, Hall yeah. running the ball. Um, Roberts. I mean, I like their they, yeah, they've they've improved their talent on offense, and they've got Robert Sala coordinating their defense, and they added Sauce Gardner. So, yep. I think the I'm bullish on the Jets this year. I think they're going to be far better, and I think Zach Wilson's going to be the number one reason why. If Zach Wilson's good, the Jets are good. He's really the only. I, I mean, they're a very young team, but I think that team. Anyway, enough of Zach Wilson's on the list, but let's talk about Trey for a second. I mean, for a rookie, 21 year old who started two games. His numbers were decent. I mean, he had a 97 quarterback rating. Part of that was because he played in the red zone in specific packages. But really, I think the way we'll be able to see the steps that he takes is just how much better the Niners offense could be with him on the field compared to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, if the Niners offense transforms the way the Rams offense transformed last season, then we'll see it right there. Uh, I don't know what the offensive line is going to do, if they can keep him healthy and how good the secondary is. Uh, Strong safety and nickel. But, yeah, I think you could see – Trey Lance makes some big, big strides from what he was doing in Arizona last year. I think it's a lot about Kyle and and the offensive coaching staff. You know, what kind of game plan do they surround Trey Lance with? Do they subject him to a bunch of hits? Or do they protect him and get the ball out of his hands and try to establish a rhythm? To me, he's got huge talent, but it's all about can he can you get him in a good rhythm and get the almost force the ball out of his hands quicker because they've got tremendous weapons. I mean, you could probably argue the 49ers have the best weapons of any of the second-year quarterbacks, Trey will have the best weapons at his disposal. So get the ball out of his hands. Keep him on a pitch count. Run the ball. Run the ball. Play defense. Get the ball out of his hands. Prioritize taking care of the football. And I think Trey's going to make a dramatic several steps forward this year. I agree. I mean, you want him to extend the play sometimes. 
you want him to roll out of the pocket sometimes, but not every play. Because if he's last year, I think he was among the league leaders in just holding the ball, like time holding the ball in the pocket. If he's going to do that all the time, he's going to take a bunch of hits, get hurt, and have an Andrew Luck career. I mean, not even an Andrew Luck career, but just have an injured career. He needs Kyle needs to find a million ways to get the ball out of his hands quickly just to keep him healthy. Did that for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we saw him start to do it a little bit for Kyle in the Houston game. It's important to keep this guy healthy. And it's like anything else. Show us you're a tough guy, but don't I mean it's the NFL. You're a quarterback. Do not take on linebackers. Do not run him unprotected uh through the A gaps. Don't none of more of these quarterback drop back and then he's just kind of has to pick and slide and find a hole between the tackles. Those plays are garbage. I want to see him I'd rather see him run the exact same offense that Jimmy ran last year and let's just see if he how he runs it. And then you know, try to get a rhythm going and have him on a pitch count. Run you know, have him between like 18 and 25 passes. I don't want to see him throwing 32, 35, 37 passes in a game. Keep that, keep that exposure to hits way down. Keep his because you know if you don't have a Tyrod Taylor, keeping Trey fresh is going to be one of the key elements of of their run to a Super Bowl this year. You can't have him taking a ton of hits September, October, November. You just can't. It's you're not going to win that way. I think one of the best things that um, Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes do is protect him. They do a really good job of getting the ball out of his hands, except in that one Super Bowl. Getting the ball out of his hands quickly and mixing that in with some deep shots down the field. Mahomes really doesn't get hit very much. Uh, that should be how the Niners you know, hope to use Trey Lance. You don't want him to be like Russell Wilson, who's constantly running around, taking a bunch of sacks, but makes a few big plays. Um, because that never really worked for the Seahawks, except for that one year when he was making no money. Prioritize completion percentage, emphasize completion percentage. Don't emphasize toughness because this, my biggest fear with Trey is that he's going to try to prove how tough he is. That's what happened to Carson Wentz, right? Yeah. Don't, you, you know, be, have appropriate fear. You know, have appropriate fear because, you know, Tom Brady's the best that probably has ever done it. How many times you see him, the play's not there, he just throws it into the ground. Mahomes will will throw the ball into the ground if their play's not there. You don't – You it's the NFL. You won't make every play. Don't try to make every play. Go on to the next play. Also, Colin Kaepernick, one of the greatest runners of all time at quarterback, always slid, never took a big hit, uh, had the appropriate fear. My favorite player of all time, Steve Young, got hit a lot. Got hit yeah. a lot, got a lot of concussions. It really, re- I mean, it cut short his career. So, just saying. I know you want to be like Steve Young, but don't run like that. Yeah, I mean, Steve Steve Young, if he could do it again, probably would do it differently. <laughs> you know, uh, but Steve Young played. That was the great part about Steve Young. He played every game with fourth quarter of the Super Bowl type urgency. It define to me. It defines uh, defines him. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who still thinks it's October. Anyway, thanks, Larry. Appreciate you. Good uh, stuff, I'll man. Be back. I'll be back at some point. Thanks for watching, everyone. Um, see you later. End of show.